Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. So we've been in this uh, series last week, Psalms 119, and the moment has come. We gave a reading assignment last week to read the Bible every day and read Psalms 119. And I have asked the Lord of the names of the people who did not do their reading. And so if and when I call your name, I would like to ask you to stand to your feet. The first person was John. No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. All right. Woo. That was a close one. Some, why are you, some of you getting so nervous just now? What happened there? Uh, now, we've been in Psalms uh, 119. It's the longest book in the Bible. It's the longest psalm for sure. The next closest psalm in length is uh, less than half the length of Psalms 119. And Psalms 119 is written by David. And what it is, it's a collection of uh, a lot of thoughts throughout his life. And so it's almost like he kept a side journal and just he would just think about, uh, think about the Lord and think about uh, the Word of God and think about uh, uh, what... God was speaking to him. He would just jot these, these thoughts down. And it seems like Psalm 119 is then a collection of those over a long span of years that towards the end of his life, he decides, I'm going to put all these together, maybe add some thoughts to them. Scholars believe that he was writing this maybe towards, uh, for his son, his son Solomon becomes a king and is thought of to be the wisest man on the planet uh, at that time and perhaps since, uh, minus uh, except the exception of Jesus, of course. But, uh, and so maybe that wisdom partly is coming from Psalms 119 that his dad uh, pens for him. And so uh, last week, our big thought out of Psalms 119 was just a love for the Bible. Uh, and we, we read all through that from David's heart, but there was a love for the Bible. So let me just ask right now, just across all of our campuses, is there anybody in the house that loves the Word of God, loves the Bible? Amen. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And if we love the Word, then that brings us to our second big thought out of Psalms 119 that we'll, that we'll hit on today. And it would be, um, if we love the Bible we will be obedient to the Bible. And so the big thought really for today is obedience to the word. Matter of fact, the title of my message today is Obstructed Obedience. Obstructed Obedience. And um, we'll start with uh, verse 44 of Psalms 119, and then we'll kind of spend some, uh, some time in the first few verses of Psalms 119. But let's start with verse 44. It's just this... Again, this one verse statement that David makes I think is so uh, powerful, but he says, I will always obey your law. And then he adds to it forever. And then he adds to it and ever. And I just love the uh, exclamation of this. I will always obey your word forever and ever and ever. I will always obey your word. Uh, this, this sentiment from David that nothing is gonna obstruct me uh, from obeying your word. And, and I think we all have different uh, 
maybe things that can pop up, different hurdles, different obstructions. Um, and when I think about obstruction, like we think about like maybe an obstruction in traffic or when you're trying to get from one place to the other and, and things are obstructing your way or we think about it in pipes. Matter of fact, I have a, a, one of my sinks in my house when we turn on the faucet all the way. Just, it just doesn't, water doesn't come out like it does in the other ones. And so there's something obstructing that. Now here's the thing. It's not such an obstruction that I've called a plumber to deal with, but it's enough of an obstruction where I can kind of see that there's something going on there and I'm just kind of having to, to deal with it. And I think that's kind of probably where a lot of us find ourselves. I mean, some of you, maybe it's a complete blockage and you're like, I don't have any obedience to God flowing out of my life. Like that's, that's not even a thought on my mind and, and there could be like a million reasons why. We say it this way, there could be a million obstructions as to why you have zero obedience flowing out of your life. And, um, and if that's you, you're in the right place because somebody might be feeling that and be like, I guess I'm in the wrong place. No, you're in the right place. God has you here for a reason. He's getting ready to blast open those pipes and get those obstructions out of the way and let you enjoy a life of obedience to God. But some of us, we're more in that like partial obstruction thing. It's more like, I mean, there's some, there's some obedience. It's flowing a little bit. It may be not flowing like it used to flow. It may not be as much water coming out as it's supposed to, but there's still some obedience going on there. And so we'll notice here in these first few verses of Psalms 119, David is emphatic about the, um, about the level, the velocity of his obedience to God. And so this is what he says, because we want to be at a place where there's no obstruction. And um, I think David is guarding against some different versions of obedience. And if you're taking some notes, I'm going to go through five or six versions of obedience that represent these different obstructions in our life. Let's start with verse 1. Psalms 119, verse 1, David said, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Let me read that again. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. I think David here is guarding against, he's making a statement against selective obedience. Some of us are guilty of selective obedience. Like we're tempted towards selective obedience. David says, no, I want all my ways to be blameless. I mean, every way I go, it's still obedience to you. It's still according to the law. All of my ways are blameless, yet some of us are, are selective in, in how we're going to be obedient to God. Now here's, let me, let me before we jump into the selectiveness, let me, let me start with the first word, which is blessed. Blessed are those who have decided against selective obedience. Blessed are those who said all my ways are, are obedient to the Lord. And it's important that he says blessed are those, which some of you know what that word means in the Hebrew, but when you see that blessed, it's, it's a word that uh, really means happy. So David is saying the happiest people are the ones who all their ways, they're consistent, they're not selective, they're consistent in their obedience and they're the happy ones. Now here's why that's important, because the, the, the world system and Satan will have you to believe just the opposite of that. I mean, Satan will have you believe that those who just do whatever they want, they're not thinking about any, anybody else's expectations, they're not thinking about some God's rules on their life. No, they just do whatever they want, they just follow their every whim, every desire, every craving, they just go after it. The Satan would have you believe they're the happy ones. And you know what? You can scroll through social media and they look happy sometimes because nobody posts the next morning. 
Nobody posts themselves when they're in the middle of the night sitting there guilt-ridden and feeling so distant from everybody, distant from God, wondering what in the world's going on in life, wondering if they should take their own life because the emptiness they feel. Listen, satisfying all those desires, that's not what brings happiness. David says what brings happiness. That's when we decide not to be selective in our obedience to God, but when all of our ways are obedient to God. I have here... Um, because sometimes I get a little bit hungry while I'm preaching. So I have here a little thing of mixed nuts. Now, I don't know how many uh, different versions of nuts there are in here, but uh, there are several different versions. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. You invite me to your house for a little party, and you got your little bowl of mixed nuts out there. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to come by and just grab a handful of all mixed nuts and start be getting all kinds of crazy like weird nuts, I don't even know what they look like and what, I've never seen this one before, I don't know what it tastes like. I'm not gonna roll that way. I'm gonna tell you right now up front in advance, I'm gonna be pulling out just the cashews, all right, out of your mixed nuts. <laughs> You're gonna come by later and be like, I thought there was used to be cashews in these mixed nuts and be like, oh, Pastor Johnny's been here. You can count on that that, that would be the, the case. I'll be coming in here. I'm not gonna be taking walnuts because walnuts seem a little bit dry to me. I'm not gonna be taking almonds because I just, they're not that great, all right? I'm just not trying to do that. I'm not taking this one, because I don't even know what this one's called. I don't even know. I'm not, I'm not here to try uh, these new things. So I'm going to be selective in which ones I partake. I'm going to be selectives, selective in which one is going to be a part of my life. And unfortunately, I mean, that's fine when you're talking about mixed nuts. Unfortunately, this is how some of us read the Bible, Unfortunately, when we're reading through the Bible and we're going, now, I, I like this part. I like the way this one tastes. I like the way this instruction feels. I like the way this commandment works for me. But this one over here, I can do without. And we are selective in our obedience to God. We like this one, but we like to ignore that one. Matter of fact, we, like, we read the Bible, we go, oh, man, I like those verses about singing praise. Oh, and we were singing praise. I like those because the Bible says we're supposed to sing praise, but the Bible also says we're supposed to be sexually pure. We're like, we don't like that one. I would just select the singing, singing praise, Alex, for 300. I would just like to select... I'll just do singing praise. We, we don't like the ones about, we like the ones about fellowship. Oh, I like being with all my, my, my friends at church. We like the ones about fellowship, but we don't like the verses about forgiveness. Wow. And we go, I mean, I understand the principle of forgiveness, but you don't understand what happened to me. So we like the, we like the verse about fellowship, but I just don't want to be in fellowship with him because of what he said, because of what he did. That's, that's selective obedience. Like, like we like a, a, a verse that says we're supposed to love everybody, but then we, we, we kind of bypass the verses about lying and about be, having a deceptive life. And so we come to fill out our taxes and what we can do to kind of get by and maybe, maybe bend the truth a little bit. We, we're not so worried about the, the deception part anymore. Uh, maybe it worked to get the sale. Like I say whatever I gotta say to get the sale and God understands. No, 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 what happens is you are selecting a part of the word to live for and a part of the word not to live for. Some of you are your kids 17 and you're still trying to make them look short and get their kids eat free night at, you know, no, he's still 12. Got a full beard. He drove y'all to the restaurant. And y'all still trying to get them kids eat free. I'm saying at some point you just got to go, God, I am going to obey all, 
I'm gonna obey all your word. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all of this. We go, God, um, I, I, I like these verses about honoring you with my, with my tongue, but these verses about honoring you with the tithe, like I just, like I, I like this verse, okay, but I don't like this. I like this verse about going. We should go into all the world, these, but these verses about giving, these verses about generosity, I just don't know about that. And so what that is, it's a selective obedience. My God. And David is guarding against this idea of selective obedience when he says, all of my ways are blameless before you, God. James chapter two, New Testament, James says it this way. Listen to this. He says, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one. Think about that person. Keeping every single law, only broke one of them. He says, they keep all of them except one, but they're as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. So that person that's consuming all of them, I mean, they're taking... They're not pulling peanuts out. No, they're, 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 they're taking all of them and just eating all of them except for one. And, and James says, no, no, no. The person who keeps all of the laws except for one, they're still, it's still selective obedience. Guard against selective obedience. The second, like, false kind of obedience that I think David's guarding against here, we need to guard against, is external obedience. Verse 2 and verse 3, David says, again, Psalms 119, of course, blessed are those happy, again, happy are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. So I'm I'm keeping statutes, but it's starting in here in my heart. They do no wrong, but they follow his ways. And it starts with heart-filled obedience. David says heart-filled obedience actually brings happiness. Now what doesn't bring happiness is trying to follow a bunch of rules or expectations on the outside when your heart is in a different place. That, that, that is not, a, uh, that is not a, a recipe for happiness in life. Some of you heard the story about the, the one dad, he was dealing with his three or four-year-old son and he was a little bit stubborn, a little bit cantankerous and he said, son, sit down. And he's like, I don't wanna sit down. And he goes, son, I'm telling you, you gotta sit down. And he's like, I don't wanna sit down. And uh, so then the dad kind of gets like, you know, stern, looks at him like he means business. He says, son, I'm telling you right now, last time I'm gonna say it, we're guilty of that line as parents, right? Last time I'm gonna say this until the next time I say it, but <laughs> he says, last time I'm gonna say this, son, I, I'm, I'm telling you, you better sit down. And he, this son finally figured out his dad meant business and he sat down, he folded his arms and under his breath, the little kid said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> That's how some of us are to God. Some of us get caught up, watch this, we get caught up in following some of the guidelines or expectations or rules of a culture. I mean, I'm saying we even within the church. And we start to go, well, I, I can't do this because our church, we don't do that. And I, I can't do this. And I have to be a part of this because everybody expects me to be a part of this. And we, we, we follow these guidelines because as a, as a, a group of people, it's just going to come. There's just going to be certain ways that we live. There's going to be certain things that we don't do. And what can happen is we can do those things on the outside, but on the inside, we're not in the right place. We're not in love with Jesus. And so you want to talk about the people who walk away from their faith and are miserable and hurt? It's usually that. It's usually they were trying to live some sort of external standard for everybody else, but their heart was not in the right place. And so David says, my obedience is not external. No, I'm doing this with my heart. My obedience starts from the inside. Now hear me, church, the guidelines aren't wrong. 
I'm not saying the guidelines are wrong. What I'm saying is the goal was wrong for some people. So I'm not saying don't have any guidelines. No, we should have guidelines, but our goal in the guidelines is because we love Jesus and because we want to love him more. It can't just be an external obedience. Matter of fact, uh, there's a a phrase that um, uh, I've kind of stood on a principle, certainly in dealing with uh, parents and, and, and our kids, but it's this, rules without relationship equals rebellion. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. And so um, this is what David is saying is, I'm not, I'm not just following rules just to follow rules. I have a relationship with you, God. And because my heart is going after you, I just, I don't want to do whatever I can. And that, that's going to affect the outside of my life. The inside of my life is affecting the outside of my life. Then David talks about in verse four, I think he, he, he guards against partial obedience. He guards against partial obedience in verse four. He says, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully, everybody say fully. You've laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Uh, in other words, not, not partially, not doing some of what God tells you to do, not stopping some of what God tells you to stop, but they are to be fully obeyed. And partial obedience, the temptation for us to be partially obedient to God, that started way back at the beginning. I mean, way back at the very first temptation, it was a temptation of partial obedience. It was like, I mean, you can listen to God, but did God really say this? That's what the, the serpent, is, the Bible says in Genesis 3, 1, he was more crafty than all the other wild animals the Lord had made. And so the serpent comes, and it's, of course, the devil in, in um, uh, taking control of this serpent. And uh, uh, the, the serpent says to the woman, did, did God really say that you must not eat from the tree, any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? And then she goes, well, no, he didn't say that. He said, we, we can eat from these other, but we can't eat from that tree. And Satan goes, well, I mean, but is that really? Because I think he just knows that if you do, you'll know more stuff. And so do we really have to, it's this whole thing of like, do we really have to fully obey the Lord? Do we really have to go all in with this? And I like what Charles Spurgeon said, great preacher of old, but he said, I would recommend that you either believe God up to the hilt or else not believe at all. Believe this book of God, every letter of it, or else reject all of it. There is no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less than a faith that swims in the deep uh, deeps of divine revelation. A faith that paddles uh, about the edge of the water is poor faith at best. We, we can't live this life where we just do some of what God tells us to do. Right? We go, well, I mean, I'm not sleeping around anymore, but God goes, I know, but I, I'm asking you to be pure in your, in your mind as well. What about the lust that's in your heart? I mean, I'm not yelling and cursing at that person anymore, and God says, I know, but you still have hatred in your heart towards them. Like, fully obey. Let's go all the way with this obedience, not, not some partial thing. Like, it's like when you, you, you tell your kids to, to clean their room and they go up there for half hour, you come up and you're like, looks okay. Until you walk over to the closet, they start sweating bullets and you open up the closet and everything falls out. And they're going, well, I mean, I, I kind of did what you, this is not a thing where we just kind of shuffle some stuff under the rug and say, well, God, look, I mean, I'm doing less sin than I used to do. Jesus told the woman at the well, go and sin a little less. No, he didn't say that. No, he said go, he just said go and sin no more. 
Like, it's not, a, it's not a partial obedience. And here's the thing. God's not asking you to do something you can't do. You, you can do this. Guard against, uh, guard against um, partial obedience. Uh, number four, guard against situational obedience. Ooh, this one's, this one's a, a lot of us are guilty of this one. Verse five, David says, oh, that my ways were steadfast. I like that word. He says, oh, that my ways were consistent. My ways, like every way I go, it's the same. It's obedience to God's word, obeying decrees, obeying decrees. When David says, I go this way, I'm obeying the decrees. David says, I go this way, I'm obeying the decrees. David said, I'm up in church, I'm obeying the decrees. But David said, also Monday at work, I'm still obeying the decrees. David said, when I'm all with my Christian friends, I'm obeying the decrees. David said, and even when I'm with the heathens, I'm obeying the decrees. Listen, you, you ain't gonna hear me preach like don't ever spend time with heathens because I want you to have heathen friends. I do, because I want you to be light in that darkness. The problem is, is when those heathen friends influence you more than you're influencing them. What's happening in that situation? I'm feeling the pressure of an environment. I'm feeling the pressure of people and it's causing me to change what I live. It's causing me now to not live up to the decrees that I say I follow. I've done many, many weddings. I stand there before that couple and they recite their vows, their promise. They're gonna have and hold sickness and in health till death do us part. There's usually a part in that sermon I say, and do you, in front of all these witnesses, do you commit to keep these marriage vows as long as you live. And I never had one bride or groom in that moment. Do you commit to keep these marriage vows as long as you live? Not one of them had said, well, I mean, it depends on the situation, pastor. <laughs> I mean, that would be an exciting wedding. I mean, we would have some things to go with right there. So in that moment, they mean it. Like tears in their eyes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but the problem is, eight years later, when there's been some riff at home, and then that little girl at work starts looking at this, this guy that was at the altar seven years ago saying, I do. But now the situation has changed. And too many times when the situation changes, so does the decree. And David says, that's not going to be the style of my obedience. It's not going to be situational. It's not going to be one way on Friday and another way on Sunday. One way in public and another way when I'm in my private life. It's not going to be one way uh, when the times are good. Oh, man, when times are good, we follow the decrees of the Lord. And then when times get rough, we, we're ready to bail on everything. Let's guard our hearts against situational Obedience. It's easy to sing about obedience to God and talk about obedience to God. Let's live it out every direction, every way, everywhere we go. Five, David guards against delayed obedience. I got to hurry. Verse six through eight. He says, then I wouldn't be put to shame when I consider all your commands. Okay, so first he's considering them. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I consider them. I learn them. And a lot of us stop there. But he says, and I will obey your decrees. I consider them, I learn them, but then I actually, actually do it. There's no delay. Matter of fact, you've heard it said before, but delayed obedience, 
It's no word for that. It's, it's disobedience. And what David is saying there is that I will have no delay between what you tell me to do and me doing it. Some of us get so good at setting these dates in the calendar. We set up for these cosmic alignment of events, and that's when we're going to start listening to God on what he's asked us to do. So God's telling us, you know, well, hey, apologize to this person. And you're like, I'm going to. And, like, and you fully, I really am. I'm going to apologize to this person. But it's been a year since God says, make that relationship right. And you just keep delaying the obedience. That's called disobedience. God's asked somebody to end a relationship. There's some young people in this place. You're in a relationship that does not glorify God. The end of this relationship does not end well for you spiritually. And God's already spoken that in your heart. And you know it, and yet you're waiting to end the relationship. Some of you are living with somebody, and you, God has spoken to you about that. It's time to get married. It's time to deal with that. And you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to. And I really love God. God says, no, no, no. Delayed obedience. Is disobedience. What's God asked you to do? What's God asked you to start? Don't delay any anymore to deal with what you got to deal with. Start the ministry. Pay the debt. Like start. Matter of fact, I'll say this. Last week, I think God spoke to some of you about starting to get serious about a devotion life, about loving the Word of God. And you were in here going, that's true. I felt like God spoke to me. I mean, the message was about that. But even more than that, I felt like God was really speaking to me. And yet you've still delayed seven days later. And you're like, and I'm going to. David says, no, I consider it and I learn it and then I do it. No delay in my obedience to God. David said in verse 30, he said in the same chapter, right? He said, I've chosen to be faithful. I like that. Like it's just a decision. I'm just deciding to do now what God's asked me to do now. It's a good way to live. Last one is this. I think David is guarding against, and we need to guard against unreasonable obedience. And let me explain what that one means, unreasonable obedience. He says in verse nine, I like the way he's, what he's doing here with the language in verse nine. I think he's, I think he's making a statement that is um, kind of outlandish a little bit. I think he's using a little bit of hyperbole here. I think he's trying to create a, a scenario that people go, oh man, impossible. So he says in verse nine, he says, how can a young person how can a young man stay on the path of purity? And he's posing this question so that people will kind of be like, man, that's true. They can't. Like, there's no way. Like, even in that day, and if, if we take that and interject that into our day, into our culture, we go, man, how can a young man ever stay pure? And most people would say, oh, yeah, I know, they can't. There's no way. I mean, with the amount of images and the amount of sexualization and the amount of opportunities and all the hormones and all the desires and all the things going on in their bodies, yeah, you're right, David. There's no way a young man could ever stay pure. You'll find plenty of people that will agree with that. You'll find plenty of people that say, that's what the problem with the Bible is, is it's got all these unreasonable expectations that nobody can do. And that's the picture David's painting when he says, how can a young man be pure? And everybody's like, that's true. And then he goes, oh, they can though, by living according to your word. And everybody goes, oh yeah, that's, you know, you're right. Okay, yeah. What David is saying here, that's what I said a moment ago. God's not gonna ask you to do something that you are incapable of doing. See, some of us, when it comes to obedience to God's word, I don't know that we've, so much as said it this way or realized it, but a lot of us have gotten to this point that we go, yeah, no one can actually live a holy life. 
So why would I put that expectation on myself? And this would be my only concession. You're right, no one can live a holy life on their own. No one can live a holy life without determining that I want to know this word, I'm gonna be committed to this word, I'm gonna be committed to the God of this word, and then as I'm committed to this word and to the God of this word, it's him who's going to give me strength for life change. We're not gonna be ones that preach and says, yeah, because we can't, we just won't try. Because that's not biblical. There is no biblical for like, well, just kind of love Jesus and don't worry about your life changing. That's not biblical. I mean, back in the day, I don't know if it's used as much now, but back in the day, like there'd be some teenage boy that started liking some teenage girl and they'd start to kind of be like, you know, doing their thing a little bit. Maybe they'd be alone somewhere and things would start getting a little hot and heavy. I'm not gonna go any more into detail on what would be going on in that situation. But back in the day, at least, the the young man sometimes would then whisper into this little girl's ear and he would say this. He would say, "Well, well, if you loved me, you would do it. Now again, I don't know if it's still said. Back in the day, I used to always preach to the young ladies. I say, anytime a, a young man says that to you, just say, well, actually, if you loved me, you wouldn't ask me to do that because you'd be putting my future, my purity ahead of your desires. That's what, all right. That's what I used to preach. And I don't like that statement in that context because it's manipulation. However, I do like that same statement in a different context because Jesus said the similar thing as a matter of fact. John chapter 14, Jesus, he said, if, if you love me, this will be the outflow of your love for me. You'll obey my commandments. And while you can find people to preach and say, it's just about loving Jesus and you don't have to worry about following rules and following commands and saying the wrong thing and doing the, going the wrong places and be with the wrong, you don't have to worry about that, just love Jesus. You'll find people, you'll find popular preachers that preach that. And it would be great if Jesus didn't ruin it. But Jesus ruined all that when he said, yeah, 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 love me, that's true. I do want you to love me. And then the way I know you'll be loving me is when you obey my commands. Yeah. That's what we're called to do. Not, not partially obey. Not selectively obey. No, we're called to just say, God, if there's any area of my life that's not in alignment with your truth and your word, deal with me now on it, God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, not only do we love you, we love your word. Not only do we love your word, but we want to obey your word. We want to obey your word without delay. We want to obey your word, not just externally, but God, from the very center of our our heart, out of our love for you, that's why we would want to be obedient. This is not to follow some rules of an organization. But because we see the value of your word, we say, God, that's what I want to be the guidelines for my life. So I pray you'd speak to us right now about any area of our life, any any false sense of obedience that we have been fallen subject to. 
speak to us about that now in Jesus' name. And I, I would just ask while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, God is speaking to you. And again, that's why we're here. We're here to examine ourselves. We're here to not just look into the word, but let the word of God look into us. We're here to hold our life up against the word and go, okay, God spoke to me today about this. And so maybe if there's an area of, of a false obedience, right? Could be delayed obedience, could be partial obedience, could be just a, a, the external obedience. Maybe that's been going on. Maybe it's been selective and you've been like, well, I've been choosing this and choosing. But here's the thing. God has spoken to you and you know that there's an area of your life that you go, yeah, I'm, I'm out of alignment on, on this area of my life. God has spoken to me about getting obedient in this area of my life. And you know who you are. Maybe for some, it's your whole life. And listen, like I said, you're in the right place. That's why God has you here. So that you could be one of the many that have been in an environment like this and said, God, today I surrender. I surrender it all to you. But if there's, if your life or just an area of your life is outside of obedience to God, I just want to, I want to pray for you today. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.